Are you ready? Yes. Okay. You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. But most of all, we discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. Uh, you can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod, and follow us on Twitter and on every other level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, which I have a special ad read that I'm going to read for the read of it. Um, so, uh, let's see. I will do, uh, with Mike, which one did I do? Do you remember? Was it the overstocked business or the law firm? Crap. I think it was the overstocked business. I think so too. So I'll do the law commercial. Okay. okay. This is dumb. So uh, here is an ad read for the Patreon. Are you a listener of the Obsessive Viewer and a subsidiary podcast, Anthology and Tower Junkies? Do you find yourself wanting more content from these podcasters? If so, you may be eligible for compensation in the form of bonus content on Patreon. Hi, I'm Matt Hurt from Hurt Roland Associates. Due to a recent st- settlement with Obsessive Viewer podcasts, you can be granted access to hundreds of extra content, including B-roll episodes, commentary tracks, and early access to full episodes. For a small retainer ranging from $1 or $2 per month or to 5 or $10 per month, you can get that extra podcast content you deserve. Don't let these podcasters get away with keeping content from you. Show them you mean business by going to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and signing up. Again, that website is patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Go there right now. <sighs> okay, so that's our pitch for Patreon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tiny, do you know what I mean when I do... Do you know what I'm referencing when I say go there right now? It mm, sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Yeah, I, I, and I realize that a lot of listeners aren't going to pick up on it, probably. But um, <laughs> there is a quote-unquote local uh, law firm called Keller and Keller. Okay. Um, yeah. It's one eight hundred two Keller, and uh, <laughs> and it does like that form of uh, of commercial, and it ends with the guy saying, "Call one eight hundred two Keller." That's one eight hundred two Keller, right now. <laughs> and I always, growing up, whenever I saw that, I was like, ah, that's kind of pushy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Damn. I haven't been in an accident, but okay. <laughs> sure. Sure, Mr. Keller. Don't need a lawyer. No. Um, so anyway, again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Go there. <laughs> I was just thinking of, I was just thinking of Bob Blah Blah's law blog. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you, uh, yeah, you don't get any double speak when you go to Bob Blah Blah. <laughs> oh, God. So I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Tiny. Tiny, how is it going today? It's going, man. Nice. We just uh, recorded a special Patreon recording for the, uh, for the har- including the harrowing experience of your 20th Indy 500. Yes. Yes. So go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and find out more. Mm-hmm. Find out about Tiny's boner with wood. His... <laughs> his 
him playing with wood and getting a boner and then going to the emergency room for 45 minutes and getting oral. So I don't usually go that blue on the podcast. I could have lost a finger, man. Like uh, You didn't actually specify where exactly making all on these jokes. The it's like right here. Oh, right okay. there. Like I, I was holding a piece of wood and it, the knife came down like that, like right Ooh, there. Like right on, kind of, not at the, not at the, uh, not at the no. knee of your, your thumb and Like closer to the first knuckle of my index, index finger. finger. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. saw the bone. Could see the bone. Yeah. Oh. Hope there's no tendon damage or anything. Yeah, I can move the so. finger, so I think I'm good, but. At least it's yeah. your left hand, which you're right handed? Correct. Okay, yes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> when I went to the emergency room, the doctor was like, "So I, so you're right-handed then?" And I was, I, I understood that she deduced that with oh, pretty yeah. simple, pretty simple you using know, your dominant hand to right. Um, yeah. But I, I thought of just in the moment. Of course, I didn't say this, but I was just thinking, "Are you a doctor or a witch?" <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm an idiot. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was gonna make a some. I was gonna tie that into. Stephen King, but I don't know how. Are you Carrie White? Um, I don't know. Anyway, so anyway. today on the podcast, yeah, um, we are going to be discussing and reviewing Blood Hunt and Blood Bool, episodes one and two of Lisey's Story, which both premiere on Apple TV Plus on June 4th. And it is my duty right now to mention that... Um, if you are a Patreon supporter at the $2 level, you will be getting access to my immediate reaction to each episode the second that it drops on Apple TV Plus. So consider signing that up at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer at the $2 level. Sweet. Um, so yeah, so I'm super excited about that. And uh, Tiny, as it was teased before, we got screeners for uh, Lisey's story. So that's why we're able to pump out these episodes, fingers crossed, or at least my fingers crossed, yours I, who knows what the fuck you can do with your fingers now um, the, um uh fingers crossed we'll be able to um get be on schedule with these reviews and everything but um yeah i don't know where i was going with that except to humble brag about us getting screeners um so it's pretty cool yeah it is pretty cool and we're in the unique position to be talking about lisa's story in a vacuum um because while it had while the embargo has lifted for reviews i haven't read any reviews um so yeah, so. I haven't either. Nice. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but first and foremost, I released an episode. Oh no no no! First and foremost, I need to talk about the elsewhere, uh, well, the endless elsewhere podcast. Ah. Um. So, our friend JP Leck, who is an alum of Shocktober in Irvington, um, our Shocktober in Irvington thing, um, which is a uh, really cool thing that we have done in the past maybe not ever again maybe someday i don't know <laughs> right um but it's a it's a yearly or it was a yearly um thing that we did every year uh where we had local filmmakers submit short films and we screened them for an audience and we um uh screened them for an audience and did q and a's and everything it was a lot of fun anyway jp leck was uh one of like he uh holds the distinction of being the only filmmaker to appear at all five of our Shocktober Irvingtons? We did five? Film? Yes. Damn. Yes, we did. Five years. Oh. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in all of them. He's a very yeah. prolific creator. Incredibly prolific. Yeah. And his, his whole thing is this 
all-encompassing universe that he's created with mm-hmm. just like this overarching plot plot line through different different mediums and everything. And uh, he just launched the uh, Endless Elsewhere podcast, um, which I'm going to read uh, his post. It's uh, <clears throat> quote. When the calls to her late-night paranormal radio show go from strange to stranger, host Lindsay Malin launches an investigative podcast to explore the mysterious happenings. Unable to do it alone, however, she recruits the infamous J.P. Leck, a disgraced archivist and the keeper of curious lore. (laughs) Together, they will uncover terrible secrets, delve into forbidden realms, and do battle with otherworldly creatures. The Endless Elsewhere podcast premiered today... Uh, with a more than one hour long episode and each episode is going to be released on Wednesdays. Um, so chapter one released today, go to, uh, endless um, for, uh, more information and everything. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Yeah. And I will say that, uh, if, uh, you listen to it, you might recognize a voice, <laughs> um, in chapter one and also maybe in chapter four. Cool. Um, yeah, I was very honored to be asked to provide my, my voice. Um, I did a, I did some voice work, vocal work, um, <laughs> on one of his short films as well. And for some reason he asked me back to do something for the, for the podcast. So, uh, so yeah. So very cool. Yeah. I was very honored and yeah. Yeah. And all of the stories are like part of the universe, but you don't have to have any background on the other stories. Like exactly. Cause he's got books, he's got comics, he's got, mm-hmm. uh, short films, um, photograph like a fo- like, uh, photographic like a photo, uh, like a photographic novel. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he's got all kinds of stuff, but very cool. Stuff. Each each story is itself contained, so you can it read has just like that this vignette feel. Yeah, um, very cool. Very multi talented cool. guy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm super thrilled that he is jumping into the podcast realm. It's awesome. Yeah. So once again, go to endlesselsewhere.com for more information. And uh, yeah, so. Without further ado, I think I'm going to bypass news and check-ins. Okay. Although I do have one check-in that I'm going to throw to you that okay. is dealing with this. So before we get into our actual reviews of the episodes, Tiny, our Stephen King check-in, where are you at with the book, Lisey Story, mm-hmm. and how do you feel about it? I released an episode last week. Oh, last week. That was uh, me <laughs> reviewing the book and everything. And uh, yeah, where are you at with the book? How do you feel about it? And uh, what were your expectations going into the show? Well, I have about an hour, hour and a half left in the audiobook, so I'm almost there. I was really hoping to get it done today, but I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't squeeze it in. Um, I, I, man, I hate to say it, but I am not into the book, like, hardly at all. Interesting. Uh, and I'm still not. It still hasn't picked up. It still has not picked up for me. I think I think just the fact that I could, I, I was confused and lost in the first mm-hmm. handful of chapters or the handful of hours that it i was never able to pick the thread back up um i only kind of know what's going on and i'm i'm pretty pretty lost but i still really like the characters and uh it's still i think i think it's a good book i think i'm just i just couldn't pick up on it i should have focused on it a little harder Mm. or I, i i think the shortcoming is with myself not the book itself um, I think it's it's well written. I I do have my criticisms of it. Um, I think it's uh, the plot is very twisted and not not very um, not not the best construction, I guess, for for storytelling and and plot wise because it's it just jumps around so much and it doesn't 
uh, it doesn't prompt you very well when he jumps mm. to different timelines and stuff. And it's, it's just very, very out of whack. And, uh, um, yeah. typically I'd be a fan of that. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not working for me. And, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really a fan, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a shame. I'm, uh, not to, not to retread last week's episode, but I had that same feeling about the first half of the book, really. Mm-hmm. And then about midway through, it kind of picked up for me. And really, I, I mean, honestly, I kind of, I came, I came away from it feeling like it was a solid book in Stephen King's canon. Okay. But ultimately, the things that I liked about it were things that I kind of had to, maybe not, maybe not wrestle with, like to find, but they were not the focal point of the plot. (laughs) So Mm, there was kind of a little bit of, I don't want to say mental gymnastics, but there was a little bit of work on my end to kind of find a road into the book to, to really appreciate it. Um, having said that, I think going back, if I go back and re listen to it or reread the book, I think I might get a better appreciation of it just because I know the plot line and everything a little clearer and everything. Um, but I mean, it's really a, a kind of mid tier, uh, Stephen King book for me. So, okay, cool. Yeah. So that is our brief rundown of the book. Uh, Tiny will give his final thoughts next time, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But for more information about the book, check out our last episode that I did, uh, episode 59. So today on the podcast, we are going to be discussing the first two episodes of Lisey's story. Um, To bring us into this, I'm going to read a short uh, promotional plot summary. Based on the novel by Stephen King, this terrifying thriller follows widow uh, Lisey Landon, uh, played by Julianne Moore, as a series of disturbing events revives memories of her marriage to author Scott Landon, played by Clive Owen, and the darkness that plagued him. Um, So, uh, yeah, so this uh, is going to come out June 4th, and June 4th is the premiere of the first two episodes, Blood Hunt and Blood Bull, and we're going to talk about Blood Hunt first. And if we need to go into spoilers, we'll play like a brief uh, clip here. But um, but actually, so I posited this on on Patreon. So uh, to get us into the actual review of the episodes, I'm going to play a clip of the opening theme music. And the problem that I'm having, and this is a stupid problem, but for and for pay, Patreon, um, for the $2 level, what I do is when I do episode reviews of TV shows or TV show reviews, I like to sing along to the opening theme music. <laughs> oh, God. And so like with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I did like a whole thing where anytime I played the Marvel kind of thing, um, uh, the Marvel kind of header thing. I don't think I still have it on here. Um, no, I don't. But anyway, <laughs> you don't need to hear that. Anyway, so um, anytime I did the Marvel stuff, I would say like, oh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode. This is my review of and like that stuff. <laughs> the problem that I'm having, Tiny, mm-hmm. is that the opening theme music for Lisey's story, while beautiful, is very hard to sing to. <laughs> oh, geez. So... As we go into our review, I'm going to press play on the clip just to just to bring us into the review. Um, I might try to do something. If you want to harmonize with me, by all means. But uh, but yeah, you'll see what I mean when I play the music here. Lisey story, 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 Lisey story. This is a book that I didn't really like all that much until I got halfway through, and it got a little better. 
the thing I really liked about it was the marriage between Scott and Lacey, and that was told in flashbacks, because Scott was dead from the beginning, and I think I found the root of the thing, and this is our review of the first two episodes of the show on Apple TV+, Plus, <laughs> written by Stephen King. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> so that was the best take that I've done, and I've done <laughs> multiple attempts. So I, I believe you. Yeah, so patreon.com slash obsessive viewer at the $2 level to hear more of that bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, so any any uh, thoughts? Any? Uh, do you want to run out? Well, a little bit, a little okay, bit. Okay, good. No, but the uh, opening credits, I really like the visuals. Yes. Very cool. The kind of marionettes. Uh, the marionette uh, thing. Um, patterned after Julianne Moore and Clive Owen. Yeah, the visuals yeah. and the music remind me a lot of Westworld. Oh, I totally. Yeah. Wow. Which I mean is a compliment because I think Westworld yeah. had a fantastic mm-hmm. opening credits. Oh, oh 100%. Yeah. So. That's wow. That never yeah. clicked with me. Huh. Hmm. And as I said, I've listened to this fucking opening theme music several to- several <laughs> times trying to find a trying to find a route in. Yeah. Um, but wow, yeah. Now I'm going to think wow, it really does. It's a lot very similar. Yeah, yeah. And mm. this was your first experience with anything on Apple TV Plus as well. It is, it is. Um any thoughts on the production value or anything? Um, I mean, it's top notch, and we're watching mm. screeners too, so it's mm. like there's always the caveat at the beginning that like mm-hmm. You know, the special effects and, and any color correction. Right. Stuff, yeah. Could still be improved or edited mm. before the final release or whatever, something like that. So um, it's theoretical that uh, as good as it looks, there could be even more improvement in the final product. But yeah, um, it's yeah, even it's... theoretical that they could include some jackass podcasters vocals <laughs> into the opening theme music. Theoretical, but a super long shot. <laughs> yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> fuck them pay me <laughs> so but no it's it's i mean they they, they didn't cut any corners anywhere it's mm-hmm. it's top notch yeah oh yeah it yeah. looks really good um mm-hmm. especially that second episode there's some visuals that really blew me away yeah um definitely yeah but let's talk about blood hunt the first episode starring julianne moore clive owen dane dehan and uh some other characters and actors and everything um mm-hmm. The episode obviously premiered June 4th and uh, star- uh, is written by Stephen King and uh, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Um, have you seen any of his work before? I know he did Jackie with uh, Katie Holmes. Uh, the- I didn't look him up. Okay. I'm not sure what all he's done. That's the only like notable thing that I could think of that would have been on my radar. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that, so. Okay. Yeah, me neither. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Blood Hunt. Um, what were your kind of overall feelings on the first episode? How did you feel about this premiere episode of this limited series adaptation of Lisey's story? I was very happy to be watching it. I think, I think this story is a very visual story. It's, I think it, I think it, I I think it transfers better to a television or film medium, given how much it jumps back and forth in time. Mm -hmm. I think those are transitions that can, uh, translate a lot better in the visual medium and I wasn't confused or lost at all in these first two episodes. That's really I was interesting. Tracking it just fine. And mm. uh there's also some conglomeration of a character or two. Mm. Um most notably Dashmiel is mm-hmm. kind of has a bigger role. Yeah. Um Yeah, because in the book he there there is a dash meal. He's just like in the flashback yeah, of when he got shot. Of when he got shot. Right. And then I think he's also encompassing I think 
I don't remember in the in the in the book if if it's is it Woodburn? Am I making that up? I don't remember the name, but it's a different know. professor. Yeah, Dane who... DeHaan's drinking buddy, right? Um, right. Or Jim Dooley's drinking buddy, right? Okay, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so they kind of combine those two characters in the story, yeah. which I thought was a great idea. Um, Absolutely. So, but yeah, and the act, the cast they got is just. Mm-hmm. fantastic and oh, yeah. so I, I i would have been excited anyways but um i think they were all cast really well too mm-hmm. um i really love uh jennifer jason lee for that role yeah. of uh, darla that's perfect for her mm-hmm. um but yeah so the, i think the actors are are well cast and it's they're playing the right characters mm-hmm. um and I, and I think this is um really i mean this is i, I was really impressed with the writing too because mm-hmm. i i mean uh, you know, I, I knew going in that Stephen King, he wrote all of this, right? Yeah, he yeah, wrote so. all eight episodes. Okay, so I, I thought I remembered that going in. I knew he wrote these two episodes, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I, I was curious to see how that might translate or how that might come across, and I'm, I'm glad to say that the writing is really tight. Nice. It's not, I don't feel like he was, you know, he's like, well, this is my book, and I want to make sure I include this, 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 mm-hmm. this, and he's got too much crammed in there, kind of like the Shining miniseries that he wrote right. and everything that was overloaded and too packed and needed some more editing these two episodes at least did not feel that way at all they were nice and tight they progressed really well um all of the scenes i think they string together really well like there's just a really good flow to these two episodes i wasn't i wasn't bored at any part or like wondering what was going on um i was really on board and i'm (laughs) i'm very happy to be watching it because i think this is gonna be good (laughs) and i think the story is good it's just i could not connect to the book and i'm i really hate that as a big stephen king fan Mm. that there's something that i think is a very worthy entry in his his career that i'm probably not going to have much of a relationship with if any relationship with because i wasn't because it just didn't work for me and that that's a bummer but i think i think i'm going to get some reconciliation through the through the miniseries thankfully nice that is so great to hear because i feel like when we talked privately about the book in our little private messages and stuff Mm -hmm. um we can get at our only fans at only fans anyway i don't know why i'm so blue but um in our in our private messaging and everything i kind of felt like like i was like oh man this is because i wasn't really feeling the book that much and then like I don't know. It, it's it was exciting for me that we have like this this adaptation, and that we're hopefully knock on wood going to actually stick to a, a consistent release schedule, mm-hmm. and be able to be able to review it uh, the way that I, the way that I want us to schedule and everything. And then like us talking about the book, I was just like, this might be a little bit of an uphill climb <laughs> because <laughs> right. the book I wasn't connecting with it that much, and as I poorly saying, I think. In the during the opening uh, theme music, um, it, it like the thing that I latched onto was the relationship between Scott and Lisi, and I agree with you. If you heard my my review of the book last week, um, I agree with you that the that the flashbacks and and the kind of the structure of it was a little unwieldy for me in the book, and it was a little little disconjoined dis, uh, disjointed. And my biggest issue was that there wasn't enough stuff in the present day happening to justify or to hold my attention to the present day while we did excursions into the past. And the the miniseries does kind of compartmentalize some things, streamline some things, and that's good. I like the way that it does these things. It makes it very clear what the present day threat is. That narrative is very clear, whereas in the book, it was very not clear to me for a while. Right. However, 
that <laughs> first episode, I felt not as lost as as I did with the book, but I did have some concerns thinking that like I, I'm very one I'm very curious what audiences are gonna take of the, are, are gonna make of this show because I feel like it was it wasn't as 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 viewer friendly as it could have been because mm-hmm. like i kept thinking like okay they're showing the shooting which is cool like that's a good big moment and everything but they're not showing how he died mm-hmm. so that kind of i feel like there's there's a little bit of um there's a little bit of confu- confusion baked in there because it's like okay you just kind of assume that he died in the shooting but he didn't, and like I feel like that's going to cause some issues going forward. And right, right. I don't know. I just kind of felt like okay, and then and then they're like they're referencing like the Booyah Moon and all this stuff, and I'm like, they're asking they're asking the audience to really really uh, let them like let them show them the story under uh, over multiple episodes, <laughs> and like it felt like it was not like when I finished that first episode, I was like. I don't know how many people are going to want to continue watching this. Yeah. Which feels like a big uh, mark against the episode. Mm-hmm. I do think visually and performance-wise, it was very well done. So, and and the second episode, which we'll get to, was like far and away much better for me. And it's where it really clicked together. Mm-hmm. But that first episode I just felt was just, there was a lot of stuff that was thrown thrown at the wall and I'm not really sure if I didn't know the story, if I hadn't read the book, I don't know how much I would have been invested in it going into episode two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that I think having a knowledge of the book is uh, kind of gives you a bit of an advantage with that first episode. Um, Cause yeah, again, the shooting is a little almost like misleading because yeah. I remember when I was reading the book, I was like, okay, well this is how he dies. Right. Um, but it's not right. <laughs> spoiler. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um the performances though are fantastic. Yes. Um uh does is it Joan Allen that plays Joan Amanda? Allen, yeah, which she's yeah. almost unrecognizable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um the the uh, the emphasis on and we're we're gonna keep this non spoilery, but the the self harm in it is very hard to watch. It is. Incredibly gruesome. Very hard to watch. Especially even, with a hand wound right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's very, like, they they kind of really go for it. Also, the yeah. shooting was was really Definitely. big. Um, yeah, so uh, in terms of performances, how do you feel about Dane DeHaan as Jim Dooley? Uh, super excited about it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy Dane DeHaan. I think he's had some bumps in the road mm-hmm. uh, lately. Um I think the most recent thing I've seen him in was uh, that sci-fi action movie. I don't even remember what it was called. Um, Son of a Gun. What was that called? I think it was a... Was it recent? Uh, probably three years ago. Two, three years ago where he was like huh. playing like an action hero type. Like James Bond in space kind of type with... Uh, Dane DeHaan? Yeah, with the, uh, the the model chick who was in... I can't think of her name either. <laughs> this is bad. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> It was it was a movie. It was it was kind of cool. Um, okay. God damn, what was that movie called? Um, uh, Valerian and oh, something yeah. or other. Yeah. Valerian and the Million Cities or something. Yeah, um, something like that. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. I uh, In the City of a Thousand Planets. There you go. I think we've reviewed that on Obsessive Viewer, and I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it's a very forgettable movie, unfortunately. Yeah. It's not bad. No. It's, it's not a bad movie at all, but uh, he was he was miscast in that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was a great role for him, really. Yeah. Um, but he was fine, but huh. but I think that the str- he was in The Stranger. Um, I? I never saw The Stranger. Uh, yeah, I never saw that one either. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. Um, um, but he was obviously in Chronicle, which is what I know him primarily from. Right. And uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Right, right. So I, I, I'm a fan of him from those earlier things, but I think after Valerian, he's had this kind of weird thing because i think he was miscast in that but Mm -hmm. uh i'm really happy to see him in this i think it's a great fit for him Mm -hmm. um he in the first episode not as much but the second episode Mm -hmm. he was giving me vibes of javier bardem as anton chigurh in no country Mm. for old men um just interesting has this weird social barrier between people and Mm -hmm interprets social interactions in weird ways that usually cause like a bit of cause very um uh, cause a lot of tension mm-hmm. and and weird interactions like when he has the conversation wow. with Dashmiel at the restaurant he's eating mm-hmm. the fried chicken um and then he's uh, the, the scene at the library yes it's reminded me so much of the scene at the gas station in no country for old men oh, with the quarter wow. reminded me so much of that um just the writing was so damn good. That is real. You're Which, that's, something. That scene's that scene. <laughs> that scene's not in the book, as far as I remember. Uh, where he the, goes, which which thing? where he goes to the library and. Oh, kinda... uh, I do not believe so. No. Okay. Which we'll talk about that in. We spoilers. will. Yeah. Sorry, that's episode um, two. But was it episode two? I believe so. I th- no, that was episode one. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "All right, I'm in. I'm into the show, and I'm really into Dana nice. Hunt in this role. I think he's going to flirt with the line. I think he might yeah. be a little over the top sometimes. That's the thing that I kind of. I'm 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 still after two episodes. I've only watched the two episodes. Um, I am a little undecided on him so far. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, because he's playing it so peculiar and right. so strange, which can be, it can achieve that Javier Bardem level of genius as mm-hmm. Anton Chigurh. But I don't think, for my taste, I don't think he's found that yet. He's he's inched toward it quite a bit. Okay. In, in, quite a bit in episode two. But that first episode, I was just kind of like, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sold. Okay. Um, however, the the there is there is potential for him there, um, because the show is doing like he's he's doing something with this role that has this casual normalcy that he has this in terms of his body language, um, he is doing this casual kind of sadism and casual um casual threat level Mm. um to his performance um that i think could really really hit a groove with me but so far it's just kind of like it's it's not silly but it's just kind of like he's almost in a different show for me right now (laughs) okay but i think there's definitely room for him to really grow into it nice Um, yeah um, do you want to go into spoilers for episode one? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of music and then we're going to go into spoilers for Blood Hunt, the first episode of Lisey's Story. All right. Spoilers on for Blood Hunt, the first episode of Lisey's Story on Apple TV Plus. Um... So tiny, it. Uh, I don't know what exactly how to delineate spoilers on this. Yeah, right. Um, what do you want to talk about in terms of spoilers and more specific stuff? 
Um, I, you know, I'm not really sure, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I don't really know how to go. I feel like we started kind of spoilers already. We kind of um, did, but let's, let's kind of talk, let's talk about the library scene first. Yeah. Um, did you, <laughs> did you catch the, uh, Dark Tower reference? Oh yeah. Yes. As soon as he was holding it, I was like, that's Charlie and the I, Choo Choo. Yeah. I, I was thinking that I was so like, I, when he, it was it was a weird moment for me because I was watching it and then he's like this this was Scott Landon's favorite book as a kid <laughs> and I was just like okay that's creepy that's cool and everything and then he's just and then when he stands up he's like oh you, you need to put it on display and everything <laughs> and then like I saw the top portion of it I'm like that's Charlie the Choo Choo by Peril Evans <laughs> yeah slash Stephen King but still <laughs> um just like oh and I I was just I was very happy in, in that moment um yeah me did too did you squee at all I didn't but I it, okay. I was smiling a lot nice put it that way and I just yes. loved that scene yes so much yes that scene he um. He does again that kind of casual threat, yeah, thing to exactly. to her to the librarian, mm-hmm. um, and this is where the show is kind of establishing him as the as the obsessed fan and as the crazy fan, um, mm-hmm. the you know threatening fan, yeah, and like that's all well and good. That's that's really strong stuff. Um, I think my biggest issue, the biggest kind of. Um, stumbling block I had with this uh, with this episode in particular was the ending with the phone call with Lisey, where he says the um very big line in the book that he's going to I don't remember exactly what it is but uh he's going to do things to her in the place where he, she wouldn't let the boys touch her at, at the junior high dance yeah which is such a chilling threat yes it is and I don't I think maybe it's me maybe it's just my me having read the book right before and having my own kind of my own performance in it as a, as a, as a voice actor myself, check out <laughs> endlesselfware.com. But, um, as, as an actor who, who he, uh, as someone who treads the boards himself and, uh, does his own performances. Anyway. Um, so, uh, I, I kind of felt like that just did not come across as, as dark and heavy as it should have in the in the show mm-hmm. how did you feel about it and feel about that phone call between Lisi and jim dooley yeah i was okay with it I, di- I didn't have as much of an is- issue with it i do think it was it was stronger in the book um and i feel like it was sort of cheapened a little bit i, I think mm-hmm. uh, earlier i mentioned how I, I think dane dehan is going to cross the line mm. and is maybe already flirting with the line of being over the top and i think the part where he yeah, the conversation was over and he was like repeatedly slamming the phone down in that like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, robotic way mm-hmm. that kind of took me out of that scene a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I, like you were saying, I think, I think the delivery of that, um, I don't want to say iconic line, but, uh, the noteworthy line yeah. wasn't as great. Um, and what, what didn't have as much weight behind it as, as was in the book. Um, and, and I feel like the, the character in the book, um, of Jim Dooley has, uh, I mean, there's, there's a performance level to it cause I'm listening to the audiobook, Right. Um, and, and I think the, the audiobook does a good job of characterizing him. Um, cause in the book he's described as having a potentially fake, like Southern accent, right? Which the TV show version does not have, <laughs> which I'm glad for. I'm oh, glad. Me too. I'm glad of that. But yeah. I feel like in the book, he's a little more, straightforward he's kind mm. of just pretty straightforward menacing kind of guy 
and doesn't have the whole weird social aspect to him. I think he's a little more straightforward in the book, which is fine. He's great mm-hmm. in the book, but um, I, I think there's another dimension to the character that Dane DeHaan is bringing to life, um, and that's what excites me about it. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, like I said, the second episode really made me feel better on all fronts about the show and everything. Mm-hmm. So that that's something. Um, in terms of the self-harm of Amanda... And that whole plot line, I thought, was handled a lot better in the in the show than the book, um, because mm-hmm. the book, like I said, it's the book is competing with flashbacks to Lisey's marriage to Scott and and Scott's the shooting of Scott and everything. Yeah, and all of this stuff, while also competing with us in the present day with Amanda self harming and having her kind of psychotic break and everything, and the sister sisterhood kind of conflict and everything yeah it's a lot but i think that the show really streamlines it and really makes it a little bit more palatable i agree because because in the book i was sort of thinking of uh amanda as uh, like um kind of just being a i don't want to cheapen her actual mental illness but Mm -hmm. i was thinking of her more as like just a overreacting woman like oh my boyfriend got engaged and she's just acting out and Mm -hmm. i I didn't i didn't think of her in terms of having at least in that moment Mm -hmm. when i was reading the book that early the early scenes with amanda i didn't think of her as like having a true mental illness and like needing professional help and so i i wasn't necessarily writing her character off but i wasn't really that interested in her and of course later on in the book she that that dynamic changes a lot right and in the show right from the get-go you know that she has some she, she's crazy basically and she has yeah. uh, for lack of a better term or whatever level you know i don't i don't know the technical terms for mental illness but uh it's it's a bit blatant right from the get-go yeah um and joan allen is just peak uh peak performance right off the bat i thought she was yeah. she, her and dane DeHaan for me are, nice. are the standouts um but uh yeah so I, I i'm excited to see the direction that she takes the character so yeah me too and and one of the other kind of complaints i had with that first episode was how i felt like it was a little too confusing with scott's connection with her um yeah yeah she becomes kind of a conduit to his his messaging tour to lisi right and it's not as pronounced in the show which is fine but there's that scene where she's in the kitchen and he comes and breathes the water to her to to heal her and everything Mm -hmm. and still i i have no idea if that was a flashback to a previous time or if that was present day and that was like his spirit coming to like heal her illness or anything oh really whatever yeah i i had no idea what what i thought i thought that was i thought it was um Huh. I, I I was fully under the impression that that was flashback to the first okay. time that it she probably self harmed. Yeah, because he like drives there and gets out of the car and goes yeah. in and yeah. And that's that was my that that's where I'm leaning as well, and I'm sure that that's the case. My problem is that her positioning there is exactly how she was in, in a previous scene, right? And I couldn't delineate flashback or or present. Day. And she looks the same. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you're right. It is confusing. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was a little confusing and everything. But again, that that confusion really subsided with the second episode. Mm-hmm. Um. How is that? Do you want to talk about the second episode? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um. Parting thoughts on Blood Hunt, the first episode of Lisey's story. Um. I wasn't quite sold on it. There was other things that I didn't really understand that much. Um. 
the the kind of vernacular that's thrown at us, like blood bull and bulls and right. booyah moon and stuff. Like that stuff is stuff that I was also confused about in the in the in the book as well for right. a while. Right. Um but it's it's a little bit it's demonstrated a little bit better in episode two. So shall we go on to episode two of Lisey's story? Yes. Okay. Okay, so episode two of Lisey's story is Blood Bool. Um, it also premiered June 4th and also stars Julian Moore, Clive Owen, uh, Joan Allen, Dane DeHaan, Jennifer Jason Lee, and some other actors written by Stephen King, directed by Pablo Lorraine. So tiny. This episode, we'll go non-spoilers and then spoilers. Do you want me to sing to the theme song again? Please, God, no. Okay, all right. <laughs> Lisey story, Lisey story. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. So anyway, um, so yeah, so Blood Bowl, um, this episode, the biggest strength that I felt with it was the visuals of Booyah Moon, which we'll talk about in spoilers, and the relationship in flashbacks of Scott and Lisey, which hmm. was by far the biggest narrative uh, selling point for me in the novel. And I like the way it's demonstrated in the show. So in overall thoughts, non-spoilers, what did you think of Blood Bull, episode two of Lisey's story? I was really hooked after this episode. Um, I'm kind of in a place now where it's like I'm excited to get back get back to it and keep watching it. Nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it really started to come together in this episode. Um, I think... Uh, I agree. the The flashback stuff really worked here. I think um, most notably when the whole blood pool scene where uh, Scott yes. hurts himself um, was really good. It was much. I again, I appreciated that scene so much more in this in this in the the show than I did the book. Because mm-hmm. um, in the book, I was like, "Wait a minute, is this going on now? Is this? Yeah. Did he actually cut his hand? Like, what's happening? I really did not get it." And, because in the and we'll talk more about that specific scene in spoilers, I think. But in the book, she comes to it in progress, and in the show, we see it right um, happen, and oh, we see it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was a that was a good that was a good point. Um, also, that was a very frustrating point for me because right before that scene, uh, oh, I actually watched that on race day um, here. <laughs> And I was very frustrated because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be able to watch this. I'm halfway through this episode. I'm going to get to record my Patreon review of it and everything. This is going to be a really good, productive race day. And then my internet shat the bed. Oh. And like, I was like, oh, I paid the bill. <laughs> so like, what's the deal? And like, there was like an outage and it was like, Xfinity was like, oh, well, we're not going to be able to fix it until four hours from now. Ugh. And I'm like, what? What? Damn. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll just watch the rest of it on my phone like a <laughs> chump. Right. And then I realized, oh, there are thousands of people in town probably using the cell service and every, like the, uh, all the cell towers and everything. So right. I'm probably not going to get a good signal on my data. Mm. But fortunately, my internet came back uh, shortly thereafter and I finished it. But nice. anyway... That scene was was fantastic. I really like the peak we get at Scott's childhood, and I really like. It's interesting because I like the way that it slowly it 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 hints at it. We get just a sliver of that um, mm-hmm. in this episode, and knowing the book, it's we're going to get more detail on that. Knock on wood and everything, but I I really like that we get just that that little inkling of that. So I like that breadcrumb. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. 
And also the plot with Jim Dooley in this episode really, really uh, came into focus for me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We did. We neglected to mention in spoilers for the first episode, the shovel to the face. Yeah. Oh, man. There's some violence. There is some (laughs) violence. Yeah. Yes. That was very intense and very cool. Right. I was thinking more like when I was reading in the book, I was thinking more along the lines of like, she takes the flat part of the shovel and hits him on the head with it to knock him out type thing. Yeah. But no, she uses the edge of the shovel to like slice the side of his face open. And I was like, holy fuck. It, It honestly, it was like... It was like she was you and his face was your hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh. Yeah, that was some rough stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was cool. And uh, <laughs> how did you feel about Dane DeHaan in this episode? Um, this is the episode with the chicken, the fried chicken with uh, Dash Meal. Right. Yeah. I really like, I don't know, I just, I, I'm really, I'm really uh, entranced with his with his dialogue really nice. I, I don't know i feel like he's he's very calculated mm-hmm. but um kind of like dash meal is saying he's not like an educated guy right but he's he's intelligent and he's he's making these he's clearly disturbed mm-hmm. and, and he, he can make all these links with this fiction writer and he can interpret his his storytelling and and his subtext and subplots and stuff like that um mm-hmm. but he's this goonish muscle kind of guy he has this yeah. you know uh, enforcer kind of mm-hmm. presence to him and he he just has the um what am i trying to say he he has sort of a um i don't really give a shit what people think of me yeah but like to a fault level because mm-hmm. he's like just the way he's having this uh, i don't know i i was appreciating the physical part of that scene where he's like he digs into that fried chicken and he's like eating that fried chicken. It's not like just a prop on the table. Right. Like he, I don't know. It just felt, um, he wasn't like minding his manners while he Mm. was talking with his mouth full. And, um, I don't know. I just, there's something about the way he delivers his lines and, and, and his, his dialogue is really, I'm kind of entranced by him so far. I think nice. I'm, I'm into it a little more than you are, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. will say that he is very haunting in his performance in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is definitely the dialogue is, is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, like the moment, I think it's when he's telling Dashmail and he says like, uh, um, he says, he says, he, t- he threatens Dashmail's wife and says like, don't like, uh, or some, I forget exactly how it is, but it's like, oh, you better be careful with your wife or something like that. Right. Um, and that's uh, on that thread. That's really interesting that he, the show really does a good job of demonstrating the idea of Jim Dooley thinking that Lisey Landon is not worthy of having access to Scott Landon's life's work and his legacy. Yeah. And that's something I think is demonstrated and, and depicted really well in the show. And that's something that I felt was a, was a bit of a failing of the book um, to an extent. So I'm glad to see that good old Steve um, kind of recalibrated and adjusted that for my my taste, at least he He, did that as a personal favor to me. (laughs) Right. Um, Good old Steve. Um, He also had that, that scene where he goes to uh, Scott Landon's apartment. Yeah. The apartment. Yeah. It's the apartment where they live together. That's right. Cause it's where the flashback, the blood bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he has that interaction with that guy and, Mm -hmm. and again, he's eating in that scene. I don't know. There's something, something about, 
I don't know. They're, I'm just I'm really entranced mm. by him. Um, Very but, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, totally, um, totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the way he's like, uh, you look like a TV watcher. I can see a little right. little TVs behind each one of your eyes when you open them, <laughs> and I was just like, man, he's just a. He's just like methodical and just mm-hmm. really out there. I'm just into it. So nice. those are some of the scenes that jumped out to me. But my favorite yeah. is the Blood Bowl scene. Oh, yeah. Which we'll talk about in spoilers. Yep. But I will say also that I do have a correction from my review of the book. Okay. So I listened to the audiobook, and this was something I did not quite like get. I, I, I kind of had a 50-50 shot of getting the term right. But the kind of monster I thought was being referred to as a lawn boy. <laughs> but I checked the uh, closed captions. It's a long boy. Oh, okay. L-O-N-G. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was cool with the doctor and everything. Um, yep. How did you feel about the scavenger hunt aspect, the bull hunt? Um all of these little trinkets that are left behind by Scott that Lisey needs to find. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not as into it and I'm not, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not picking up on it in the book or it's not really keeping me interested in the book. So I'm not as into it in the show, but it's, I think, again, I think it's coming across a little more coherently in the show. Yeah. Um, that is a thing that's an improvement in my, in my book, but, um, it's, I, I think, Stephen King is big on using these really unique kind of goofy, uh, silly phrases mm-hmm. and terms for things, but they're they're fun, and I think they're they have a, a twinge of realism to them that people people actually talk like that and have goofy sayings and uh, like the like the mother smoking thing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Soisa, I really I really enjoy oh, that me too. that term. Strap on when it seems appropriate. I was really really bummed. That after I recorded the review of the book, I forgot to use that in the opening of the episode. So <laughs> right. I was pretty bummed that I didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> um, but and just even like down to the, the nicknames, like uh, Amanda Bunny. Mm-hmm. Like I have uh, my niece. Baby her, Love. Right. Yeah. Right. My niece is named Brooke and we call her Brookie, Co- Brookie Cookie all the time. Aww. So yeah, That's she's cute. adorable. But so it, do you hear all the things I, I call pizza? I know them by so heart. Please don't. She's a pizza roll. Oh, she's so God. precious. Damn not based it. on the novel Push by Sapphire. Fuck. And she is just a precious little baby. And she's like, yes, Daddy, I'm good. To look Anyways. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that realism um, jumps out to me. But one of the weirdest so far is, is Bool. I don't really... I'm not getting it really. Like I, I understand. Yeah. I think it has multiple meanings, and like mm-hmm. it's, it's like a reward or a prize at the end of a scavenger hunt. But it also seems to be like this sim, like a symbolic gesture thing. The blood bull. Yeah. Um. And then there was was there like a third use of the term? I honestly don't remember. Uh, my understanding is that bull is, like you said, it. It's. I think it's like a. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, like I don't think it's like a one one to one thing of like oh, it's a scavenger hunt. I think it's like bull in certain contexts is a search for something or the prize at the end of it, whether it's an RC cola or right something else. I think but... the, the bull is supposed to be the reward at the end of the scavenger. Okay. Hunt. Yeah. Okay. And then the blood bull is letting out bad thoughts through self harm. Okay. I think um, it's just it's just so strange that it's it used in both. It seems like two very different things. Yeah. Um, 
and, and the origin of the word is odd as well. Um, I don't even know what the origin is. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's really yeah. laid out. Like, why? Why is it called a bull? Like, right. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's very confusing. It's one even, of those goofy kingisms. Yeah. Um, there is a um, uh, spoilers. I'm not gonna say it. So I'll talk about that later. But the um, I, yeah. Oh, oh, that's the thing. I, I will go ahead and say it. So. One of the things, and I talked about this on Patreon, one of the things that I appreciate about this adaptation is that, fingers crossed, Steve King has really, really lessened the idea of Scott Landon retreating to a childlike state um, Mm. when he's talking to Lisi about his childhood and about things and everything. Right. Which is something I did not connect with all that well with the book. Because that just did not do anything for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm glad to see it at least not being that present in the uh, in the show. How Did you clock that or how did you feel about that? I thought it was out of place in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I don't know how I feel about it in the book because I have such a wishy-washy relationship with the book anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't do anything for me in the book. And yeah. so I'm glad it's not really present in the in the uh the show it's accents i guess like a southern accent is kind of playing a role in the book because Mm -hmm. jim dooley has the basically fake southern accent yeah um which i'm not sure what the motivation behind that is and and like why it's why it's a feature of that character i yeah i i think and this could be a stretch but i think it is maybe just a meta thing for king specifically because he made that character be or at least he made reference to the character being from a specific area that uh, is that relates to a the the main like the villain character in Secret Garden Secret Window, and that had like a southern kind mm, of okay. accent to it. So I, I can't remember off the top of my head where that location is, but huh. there is kind of precedence in the Kingiverse to have a character in like in the book have that southern accent. So maybe that's the connection. Hmm. But I'm glad that it's you know absent from the show yeah me too i just i don't think i don't think it was necessary no i don't i don't think it really added anything to it right yeah but uh i wish i could remember the name of i could just look it up the name of the voice actor who did the book i think oh mara whittingham thank you okay she played um oh my god she played uh oh god uh what's his face's wife in the outsider um Oh my God! Why can't I? Oh, um, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn's wife. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I yeah. didn't realize that's who that was. Yeah. Um, but she did a good job. I think she I agree. she uh, the southern accent she the southern accent she used for Jim Dooley was good. I think, like I said, he's more menacing, more straightforward menacing in the book. Yeah. And uh, I think that trans translated better. Um, and her performance was part of that for sure. And in the show, as kind of um. As kind of not, I wouldn't say disconnected as I am from Dana Han's performance, but as lukewarm as I am on it. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that it has so much room is because there is that, it's like it's building this groundwork. It's building this framework for more, more outspoken evil kind of terror of, of, um, of Jim Dooley. And I think that it's smart to have it be a little bit more reserved and more peculiar menacing, peculiar tension, so that when or if the the actual threat 
reaches an apex or reaches a point of no return where he becomes outright dangerous rather than menacing and threatening, there can be more room for him to go full throttle in that, in that kind of um, performance, which I think that uh, could be really, really good um, in episodes to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Should we go into spoilers for blood pool? Yes. All right. Spoilers on, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of theme music and everything. This time I'm going to turn it down a little bit because that was loud last time. (laughs) Right, and spoilers on for Blood Bool, uh, episode two of Lisey's Story on Apple TV+. Plus. Tiny, uh, let's talk about the bird, I think, first of all. The bird, yeah. Yes. Um, as, and I said this on Patreon, so I'm sorry for the two and above, two dollar and above Patreon supporters, <laughs> but as a cat lover, um, <laughs> yeah. I am glad that Stephen King, again, <laughs> as a personal favor to me, um, his number one fan. Um, <laughs> who could not remember an actor in The Outsider uh, from it. So I am definitely don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, Stephen King. Anyway, um, in the book, he kills a cat. Mm-hmm. And in the show, he kills a bird. Right. Um, so that warmed my heart. But the thing that I really loved, and it was actually the moment where I really, really started connecting with the show, was when she comes home and she finds the bird in the mailbox, mm-hmm. which I thought was just so, like, the sound design was so yeah. gruesome, so disgusting, so cool. Some good sound work in the show. Yes. And what I love about that is a scene or two before that, we see Jim Dooley go into the house, and we see him fiddling with the microwave um, as he was in his little studio apartment lair, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool, like light misdirection. Cause you don't know what he's doing with that. Yeah. And then he just casually gets a Coke and starts drinking it and everything. And so like the combination of that, like that weird anachronistic scene, and then the payoff of that with her putting the hand in the mailbox, I felt was just really, really well done in terms of tension. And it just, and it really hit it, hit a chord with me in the, in the way that the show is unfolding. And I was like thinking like this, this is demonstrating this plot, this plot a lot better than the book was. So anyway, how did you feel about that element of the show? Yeah, I was mostly focused on the gruesomeness of it and the, mm-hmm. the technical details of it. The, the sound totally jumped out to me too. It was, mm-hmm. uh, the best word to describe it is it was squishy. Yes. Um, which is a disturbing word to use, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I don't have a ton to say. It it didn't jump out to me the way it did to you, I guess. Um, okay. But it was it was definitely definitely pretty awesome. Um, and I wasn't I didn't make I didn't quite make the microwave connection and everything like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, that's uh, it was definitely creepy and uh, really well done. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, whew, let's talk about Booyah Moon. Also, we're kind of mm-hmm. jumping around a little bit, and then we'll talk about the Blood Bowl. But yeah, Booyah Moon. Uh, Amanda sitting there with all of these other kind of specters watching the Hollyhocks and right. just the visuals of that. The cinematography yeah. was gorgeous. Right. Um, really, really eye popping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it had me wondering how much of it is, how much of like the set and everything is practical. Um, there's yeah. a really cool shot where they kind of start on a, uh, it starts on like kind of a tight, um, a tight image of, 
Amanda on the the banks of the the pool, mm-hmm. and then it zooms out and it shows you all these characters. Are it's almost like an amphitheater. Yeah, uh, there's all these characters, and it's huge. It's a really big set and it just makes me wonder how was that like they build that whole set and like yeah. i'm curious how much of that's practical how much of it's practical how much of it's cgi mm. um because it looked so freaking cool and it's yeah way, way beyond any imagery i picked up or that i imagined in my head when i was reading the book same here way beyond any of that the kind of glow of the moon and yeah. just the lighting of it the night the dusky kind of the atmosphere lighting was awesome yeah, yeah. all i kept thinking was we got to do a live podcast there <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, uh, yeah, it just looked really, really, really spectacular. Right. Um, again, very confusing for someone who does, if someone doesn't understand or hasn't read the book. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a fear of that there, but I think that there's enough breadcrumbs in this episode to really kind of whet people's appetite, which mm-hmm. is weird. Cause it's, it's, uh, a quarter of the way through the show now. <laughs> right. So we're at the end of the first quarter. Uh, we're hooked, I guess. I right. Know. Right. Um, yeah. Blood Bowl. Yes. Yes. So, I really, really like... First of all, we didn't get a chance to really talk about Clive Owen in the first episode. Yeah. This episode really, really gives him a platform. Yeah. Um, because we get to see him in his relationship with, with Lisi, kind of, not necessarily in the early stages of it, but as they're comfortable... Oh, as they're more comfortable, um... And we see kind of a big uh, point of contention with them, with him selling his first book and uh, kind of blowing her off to get drinks with someone, with a coworker. How did you feel about that scene? And do I dare ask, Tiny, did you happen to pick up on a Stephen King Easter egg in this sequence of Lisey's story? Hmm. The Easter egg? No, I did okay. not pick up on. Um, but I really loved that scene. Mm-hmm. I think I just love the performance of Julianne Moore and and Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. Their their chemistry and their confrontation together is so good. Yeah. Um. I I love the I love the reaction of Scott Clive Owen when he comes home and he realizes she's upset. Yeah. He has almost this kind of like juvenile teenage boy reaction where he's like, Oh, I can fix this. And yeah. has this goofy thing. I, I feel like his character is sort of because his childhood was so fucked up. Mm-hmm. He has a bit of a, uh, arrested development or like a, a, a regression of childhood reaction to certain pieces of trauma or big moments in his life. Yeah. And that, that level of subtlety in the show yeah. was very much absent from the book. Right. <laughs> because Stephen King really leaned into that aspect of Steve, of Scott's personality. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like and appreciate the subtlety of that in Clive Owen's performance and in the writing of the show. Right. Um, because it is there. Like, like you said, it's there, that kind of regression. Mm-hmm. But it is much more subtle. Definitely, um, yeah. yeah. But I like, I like, I like that reaction, and uh, and and I think Julie or you know, uh, Lisey picks up on it, and she's mm-hmm. like, okay, "Okay, I'm happy you sold your book," and she's mm-hmm. kind of you know gives him cuts him a break a little bit but he's still locked on this i can fix this thing and that's yeah. when he goes and runs off and just from there it's the visuals take over and it's yes. it's there's like this little pursuit type thing and then the 
he starts having these flashbacks with uh, his father. Yes. And he almost uses it as fuel to mm. make himself mad enough to punch through a damn yeah. plate glass window. And there's like um, this kind of, I think it's like a tracking shot that's focused on him as he's walking. Yes. And it's just, it is so cool. And then like, really well done as he's like halfway there, it just freezes because my internet went out for five or 10 minutes. <laughs> that Damn. was really cool. Shitty timing. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you catch, uh, who plays his father in that scene? Oh, I did not. Uh, I haven't looked it up. I hope I'm not wrong. Okay. Uh, I haven't looked it up. I believe it was Michael Pitt. Oh, I did not. I did not. I did not pick up on that. Huh. I need to. I didn't check. do my due diligence. But while you do that, I will unveil what I think is a Stephen King Easter egg. Okay. Um. So Scott Landon in that flashback sold his first book. His first novel was sold. Do you remember the amount that it was sold for? Twenty five hundred dollars. Yes. Yeah. And having just read on writing, which we will be reviewing next week on June eleventh. Do you remember how much Stephen King sold Carrie for? Was it the same amount? It was the same amount. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was a kind of a cool little like Easter egg that he put in there. I think I did remember that, but I guess I didn't quite pick it up as an Easter egg. Okay. But yeah. Nice. I do remember that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then, so I was so excited about that. I, I tracked down where Stephen King lived uh, at one point in his life, and then I went there and... I just knocked on the on on the door and some guy answered and I was just like you have TV behind your eyes. And <laughs> you're living at the you're living in the precipice of greatness. Nice. Um so do you have it or do you need me to keep doing it? Please stop. A terrible uh, um, impression. Either I'm mistaken or he's uncredited. Oh. I I'm trying to look for like Scott's father. I can't remember his name. Um ooh, yeah. Ooh, that put me on the spot there. Yeah, I can't, um, can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm not seeing Michael Pitt listed in the cast. Okay. But uh, I don't know. Maybe well, I mean, the episode hasn't aired yet, so maybe. That's true. I don't know. We got to flex that screener cred. I don't know. <laughs> so dumb. Totes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It it looked a lot like uh, that's immediately who I thought of. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm very curious um, if that is uh, who that is. We will find out soon. I'm sure. I that is my that is my my uh, pledge to you guys. We will find out who plays <laughs> uh, Scott Landon's dad. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. So the actual blood pool. The him, uh, what I found interesting in this kind of like a little bit of a subtle connection between Scott and Lacey is Lacey. I don't remember if this was the first episode or the second episode, but where she is in the car and she is like slamming her fist against the glass, her head, her head. Yeah, it was her head. Yes, yes. Right. And that just kind of reminded me that connection between her and him with the Blood Bowl. Definitely. But, but yeah. To conclude the Blood Bowl thing, yes. just the, again, the visuals, and this is the second beautiful piece of sound work was him cutting himself yeah. on oh, that glass. Yes. Like the sound, who, I don't know how the hell they made that sound mm-hmm. or what even to compare it to. Yeah. But that was really good work. Yeah. And it wasn't like gratuitous or like, mm-hmm. um, uh, off-putting or gross. I mean, right. it, it was. It, it made you wince, mm-hmm. but I think it was supposed to make you wince and feel a little uncomfortable. But it was. Yeah. It, it was. It was just. It was appropriate for what they were going for. I think. Absolutely. I, I think. I think they achieved what they were going for with that. Yeah. That bit of uh, gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the next morning scene with Lisi and Scott, um, mm-hmm. 
the kind the like he's cooking breakfast and then he's like so are we to marry <laughs> um i rem- like that is like beat for beat taken from the book and one of the things i really really appreciate about the book is that relationship between scott and lisi and how they come they how kind of the overarching theme of the story of the book is how lisi is Scott's light through his darkness Mm -hmm. as he is dealing with darkness in his life. And he's plagued by darkness as the plot summary, uh, described. And I really, really felt such a high level of affection and love in that scene between the two as they're talking. It's just this very gentle kind of uh, companionship that is just so beautifully told. And I think it really translated well to, to television. I agree. Nice. Nice. Um, what else is there to talk in spoilers <sighs> for Blood Pool? Um, the scavenger hunt, uh, the Dr. Superfan thing, having the little, uh, clue for the cedar chest. Right, in the cool. book, yeah. Oh, um, the, the, uh, sibling rivalry or the, the kind of level of, I don't want to say animosity, but the level of kind of disdain that <laughs> like Darla has for Lisi because Lisi married into money. Right. Um, I feel like it's, it's a little bit on the nose for the show. Hmm. Um, but I do like how the, how the show, uh, brings it to a level where like, like Lisi doesn't have like 8 million sisters. She just has the two. Yeah. Um, and while it is kind of on the nose, I do like how it is as a kind of an overarching thing. Yeah. And again, I think that, plays to the strengths of jennifer jason lee as an actor yeah i I really like her in that role Mm -hmm. um it makes me think of uh her character in the show atypical she plays the mother in that show i didn't uh, know that that's cool yeah she's really good in it and um she she's not a similar character i won't i won't say that but just uh kind of neurotic and um a little controlling and mm. stuff like that. And that's definitely how the character of Darla is for sure. Um, nice. Jealous, stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Some, some themes uh, across those two characters that I, I think that's great casting for her in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also the pursuit of Jim, da- Jim Dooley and the, uh, the kind of, uh, kind of <laughs> the police presence and everything. How'd you feel about that playing out, leaving kind of, I don't know, Oh, one thing I kind of, I kind of had, I have a slight issue with, and I talked about this on Patreon at the two dollar level. But the uh, there was a there was a scene that I just felt was very clunky, very very minor nitpick. But the cop reading the note to Lisi, I was like, <laughs> you don't need to read it aloud, a threatening note to the victim. Like I know that that's just so the audience can hear what the note says, right? But maybe figure out a better way to kind of give us that information. Yeah, I agree. It was it was clunky. That's a good mm-hmm. good word for it. It was just really clunky. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure the best way to get that information to the to the viewer. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but yeah. overall, I thought it was good. I thought that this episode. Should we wrap up the review? Yes, please. Okay. So overall, Bl- Blood Bowl was a very big step up for me, and I really, really am am very much interested to see where the show goes. Um, that's kind of a cheat because I know because of the book, but I'm very eager to kind of continue watching it because I think that there is some really good stuff in the second episode, and that's where it kind of gelled together for me. 
uh, from kind of a shaky start with the first episode. So yep. how'd you feel about it? And what are your thoughts going into the next episodes? Again, I'm excited for it. I think, I think the introduction of Booyah Moon and that, that mm-hmm. those visuals and everything are just really exciting. Um, and, uh, just, I'm, I'm, looking forward to the characters and getting a better feel for this story, uh, given how lost I was with the book. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. like, I, I kind of want to just go watch it all right now, but I also want to savor it and yeah. uh, have it, have it fresh in my mind for when we review it. So, yeah. Well, since we have screeners, we can watch them as soon as we can and, right. then, and then, and then review them and bank them and everything <laughs> Yeah, so that I won't have anxiety over releasing them, <laughs> uh, releasing them. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but I'm, I'm excited and I do like, uh, a lot of the things we've talked about. So, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so that'll, that's, that's our, oh, the, I think that that is also maybe part of the reason why they're, they've, they're premiering the two episodes together because that first episode, like I said, I, I don't know how audiences will kind of acclimate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's smart for them to release the two episodes because that end scene of Booyah Moon, I think that that's the end scene of the episode of episode two. Yeah. I mean, that is such a striking image to leave on and there's so much more plot movement in the second episode mm-hmm. that I think that that is maybe their way of kind of sidestepping like, okay, a, a drop off of viewers from the first episode. Right. So fingers crossed that it does well, but mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I'm 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 in. We're in. We're hooked in. Yeah. Um. Yes. And I think that'll do it. Yeah. For this episode of Tower Junkies. Totes. So, once again, you can get my exclusive Patreon recordings of my immediate reviews of each episode the second that they hit Apple TV Plus at Patreon.com/slash/ObsessiveViewer. Um, at the two dollar level, we are going to be releasing our reviews on the main feed of Tower Junkies, like this episode that you just listened to every other week. And so next week we're going to have a review of on writing, um, with our friend Mike from obsessive viewer and as good as it gets, which as good as it gets has the, um, honor of being the jingle, uh, the song, the music that we use for the jingle, this music here. Um, this is as good as it gets. I'll play that a little bit later too, but, um, they have a Kickstarter right now that you can pre-order their new album, the spirit of the staircase. Uh, check that out. Kickstarter link in the show notes, all that stuff. Very good, um, stuff. And uh, so look forward to our review of On Writing next week. And then the week after that, we're going to continue our reviews of Lisey's story. Um, We're going to be, I'm going to go ahead and start playing us out now. We're going to be reviewing episodes three and four of Lisey's story. Uh, That's Under the Yum Yum Tree and Jim Dandy. Uh, So having said all that, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Here's a bird. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and I kind of wonder, I don't know if that's, I, I don't, <laughs> this is my ignorance, my uh, ornithological ignorance. Um that's my that's my band name. But anyway, um, my ornithological ignorance. I don't know if that's a crow, raven, or vulture, or and and I also don't know if crow, raven, and vulture are the same thing. Like I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if those are synonyms for each other or they are or they are completely different birds. I don't know. But um, 
but yeah, so uh, that's my ornithological ignorance. Um, that's that segment of this review. Uh, that's the we're in the ornithological ignorance corner. So anyway, Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com/archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com/TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at TeePublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter, at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OV Anthology Pod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!